Welcome to Good Enough Creative, a podcast for creative people. Hi again, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Marie Green, and this week we're talking about showing up, showing up for your creative practice and showing up for yourself. Let's dive in. Have you ever had to talk yourself into going somewhere? Like maybe you were invited to a party or an event and you know it'll be fine once you get there, but you really have to talk yourself into getting out the door. Sometimes the hardest part is just showing up. And harder still is when we're showing up for ourselves. Why is it so much easier to be there for someone else, for a child or a partner or a friend who needs us? When someone else's needs are on the line, we'll put ourselves out there. But when it's about our own goals, our own needs, that's where it gets a little tricky. Last week, I did something I was really afraid to do. I went to a new yoga class. Now, this might not sound scary to you, but I haven't been to a yoga class in at least eight years, and I have a rather paralyzing fear of making a fool of myself. Worse still, it was a hot yoga class, a 90-minute class in a 105-degree room, something I had only vaguely heard about and had zero experience with. I'm one of the least coordinated people you'll ever meet when it comes to physical activities. I didn't play sports and I wasn't a dancer. And even my previous stint with yoga had been less than stellar, I have to admit. I'm just a regular person who woke up one day and decided that I needed to show up for myself in a different way. I signed up, I prepaid, and then I backpedaled. I really did. My mind raced with all the ways this could go wrong. I had visions of myself toppling over and knocking down a row of the other yogis. I imagined myself being escorted out of the class with the phrase, and don't come back, echoing in my ears. It was the perfect package to trigger all of my biggest insecurities about myself. I felt unprepared, not good enough, unsure, uncoordinated, and I was pretty sure I would utterly embarrass myself. Worst case scenario, all over the place, and I hadn't even blown the dust off my yoga mat yet. But I went, and I'm going to tell you a little more about how that class went later on in this episode. First, I want to talk about why showing up is so hard. In his book, The War of Art, author Stephen Pressfield says this, There's a secret that real writers know that wannabe writers don't, and the secret is this. It's not the writing part that's hard. What's hard is sitting down to write. And he follows that up by saying what keeps us from sitting down is the resistance. He goes on to talk about the two lives we live, the one we actually live, and the life we could live if we weren't constantly in resistance. If you haven't read his book, The War of Art, I highly recommend it, and I've included a link in my show notes so that it's easy to find. I think Stephen Pressfield is right. The hard part isn't the thing we want to do. It's sitting down to do it. The worst part about yoga was getting out the front door, and the worst part of that thing you've been telling yourself you're going to do but then not doing, yeah, that thing, the worst part of it is just showing up. 
So let's talk about four things that you can do starting right now to get out of resistance and show up for yourself because ultimately showing up for yourself is how you change your life. Number one, notice how you're filling in the blanks. We have a tendency to look at an unknown situation and fill in the blanks with our fears. It's actually pretty common and it's part of the way our brains have developed in order to keep us safe. Even if the thing we're contemplating is actually pretty darn harmless, we often naturally go to the worst case scenario. Do you ever do that? I don't know about you, but I can think of an awful lot of what ifs to fill in the blanks. But just because we don't know doesn't mean we shouldn't proceed. Sometimes we mistake that discomfort, that fear of uncertainty for a sign that we shouldn't do it. And sure, sometimes our instincts will warn us if we're aiming for something that isn't a good fit. But more often than not, that icky feeling is just fear. It's just the realization that we're stepping out of our comfort zone and we're in unfamiliar territory. Filling in the blanks with worry is a defense mechanism, and it allows us to think through potential scenarios so we can have a plan to escape. For me, that looked like the rush of yoga anxiety that I was having, thinking about all the ways it could go wrong and how I'd recover if it did. But this could also apply to things like wanting to go to an audition for your local community theater or being asked to give a speech or submitting a manuscript to a publisher or even just taking an art class when you've never lifted a paintbrush before. Not knowing for sure what to expect gives you all kinds of room to fill in the blanks, but the truth is we don't usually fill them in correctly. Have you ever done a Mad Lib? They're those silly little stories with some of the verbs and adjectives and nouns removed. You start by filling in the blanks, a noun here and a verb there, out of context, of course, and then you plug all of those words into the story. And when you read it back, the result is fairly ridiculous and usually pretty funny. But let's say instead of a comedy, your Mad Lib is a tragedy or a drama. That's kind of how worry works. Sometimes we set out to write the story of who we are or what we're about to do, and then we realize there's a lot we don't know, so we start filling in the blanks with our fears, and the results are pretty disheartening. If you want to show up, start by noticing how you're filling in the blanks. What if you took the Mad Lib approach and filled in those gaps with something a little more interesting? I mean, sure, you could post a personal essay in public for the first time and have someone leave a negative review that speaks to all your worst fears about yourself. But another possibility is that the right person could read it and it could change their life. Or it could lead to a larger opportunity for you. Or inspire a musician to write a song. Or catch the eye of someone who will eventually become a best friend or a partner. We don't know. We don't know if it'll be incredible or average or terrible. But why limit ourselves to a tragedy? You're creative. Reframe that worry of what you don't know yet and tell yourself the story of a different outcome. Number two, make sure you want it and then hold yourself accountable. When I began to feel myself backpedaling on my yoga goal, I had to get clear on why I set that goal in the first place. It wasn't random. I really felt like this was something I needed to do for myself. So once I reaffirmed that I really did want to do this, I reached out to a friend and I asked for help. 
I knew she'd been to the class before, so I asked her to come with me to the first class. And like I said, it's a lot easier to show up for someone else than it is to show up for yourself. I knew that if I didn't go to yoga, no one would really know or care but me. But I enlisted a friend, and then all of a sudden, I was accountable to someone else. Not only did it make it more likely that I'd actually go, but it also softened the weight of all of those unknowns. All of a sudden, I knew there would be one familiar face, and I could tell myself a different story about how that day was going to go. Reminding myself why I set the goal in the first place and asking a friend to help me be accountable allowed me to get over myself and just go. I had a friend once who used to keep her goals a secret. She said this was because as soon as she made her goals public, she felt pressure. Well, yeah, that's why it's important to say what you want. Say it out loud because it's way too easy to chicken out on yourself and it's harder to do that once you voice it. The very thing that makes it hard is why we need to do it. Because until we do, until we can say it out loud, we're not really committed to it. What's something you've been wanting to do, something you've been wanting to create, but you haven't shown up for it yet? Why not? Get clear on why you want it, because maybe you don't. More than once, I've carried around a dream only to realize I'd fallen out of love with it along the way, and I never noticed If it still feels important to you, put some accountability measures in place to help ensure your own success. Number three, put on your blinders. Comparison is the thief of joy. Thank you, Theodore Roosevelt, for that little nugget. We are living in a world of perfectly curated lives, or at least as far as the internet is concerned. Instagram especially can be a space for seeing only the highlight reel, the best of the best. It's where we get to follow the cool kids and find out how much prettier our homes, our projects, and our lives could be. If only that were true. Reality is that no one wants to see a picture of my failed project or my messy kitchen sink or the ridiculous arrangement of my desk in order to record this podcast. Lest I burst the illusion, I'm not in a studio. I'm in my office, in my house, recording this against the clock because I know my neighbor's lawn service shows up every week right about now, and there will be mowing and leaf blowers right outside my windows for the rest of the day. That's the reality. But that's not the part we see. We see the finished product, and that's okay right up until the moment that we start comparing ourselves to the finished product. The urge to compare yourself is inevitable. We all do it. I do it. But when you're struggling to show up, the last thing you need is to fill your time with someone else's highlight reels. They make it look easy and flawless, and that's just not how it is. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those highlight reels. I have my own too, and sometimes the highlight reels are inspiring. Absolutely. But we have to notice if we're holding back because we see someone else doing it better. There will always be someone who can do it better. That's not a reason not to show up. What you have to offer is uniquely yours. It doesn't matter who else is doing it or how well they're doing it. It's irrelevant. They're not you. If we compare ours to theirs, we'll always find a way to think we don't measure up. Even if our perception isn't accurate. And honestly, most of the time it's not. 
The truth is, it's not a zero-sum game. Lots of people can be amazing at the same thing, and there's still room for every one of them. There's room for you. So don't give up your spot unless you want to. Put your blinders on and keep going. That's how you get where you want to go. A friend recently said to me, when I compare myself to other people, then I'm limiting myself to the best they can do. Isn't that the truth? You will not know what you can do until you try. Last but not least, use the five-second rule. A few years ago, I saw a talk by Mel Robbins called The Five-Second Rule. You can Google it. She talked about how she overcame her obstacles by using a countdown. When she was stuck in resistance and felt like her feet wouldn't move, she counted backwards, five, four, three, two, one, and then blasted forward like a rocket. It's like that moment on the high dive board at the city pool when you're a kid and you march up the ladder trying to look cool and unafraid, but as you inch closer to the edge of the diving board, you're suddenly very aware of how terrified you are. So you give yourself to the count of three and you jump. Life has a lot of opportunities for us to jump. Someone might have offered you a chance at something you're really inspired to try, or you might have just noticed a new class that sounds like something you'd love to learn. Maybe you recently found yourself with a little extra time on your hands and you get to choose how you're going to spend it. And maybe for once in your life, you're going to use it to do that thing you've been waiting on your whole life. When showing up is hard, give yourself a countdown. It sounds silly and too easy, frankly, but I'm telling you, it's really effective. It's a way to get out of your head and just do it. In fact, to prove my point, I actually need to finish my story about the yoga class. I didn't sleep at all the two nights before my first day of yoga. That's how nervous I was. I I was really, really nervous. But my friend had agreed to come with me, and because I was accountable to someone besides myself, I went. It was unfamiliar, and it was a little nerve-wracking. My body was clearly in new territory. I had to sit down through a couple of the poses, and at one point, I was so nauseated from the heat that I had to walk out of class and breathe a little bit of fresh air. The instructor came out and asked if I was okay. It was so embarrassing. And as I sat there on the bench outside of the heated room, I weighed my options. I could go back in and be embarrassed a little bit more, or I could run out the door and never look back and just leave my yoga mat behind. I had to get clear on why I was there. Why did I sign up in the first place? It wasn't to impress anyone. It was to take time out of my busy, harried life and get still, to do something for myself and my health, even if it was hard. If I'd walked out right then, I might never have tried again, and I for sure would not have achieved my goal. So after about three minutes, I took a deep breath and I went back in. I resumed my attempt at the poses and I finished the class. It was not pretty, but I did it. Here's what's weird though. It wasn't any easier to go back for day two. You'd think it would be, but it wasn't. Sure, I had a better idea of what to expect, but knowing what to expect meant I also knew there was a very real possibility I wouldn't be able to get through the class again. Plus, there was a different teacher, and I was worried that it might be quite different from the class I'd experienced the day before. When the morning of day two rolled around, I found myself distracted by other things. I wasn't watching the clock, and in the back of my mind, I had a feeling I wasn't going to go. And then my husband came out with his coffee and he asked me about it. And I said, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, probably, oh, I don't know. 
And then he said, well, if you're going, you'd probably better leave right now because it's almost time. I'd been so intent on distracting myself that I hadn't been aware of the time. And you know me, that's very unusual. So when my husband mentioned the time, it was a bit of a shock to my system. There wasn't time to overthink it. And because I remembered my why, I just, in that moment, let that be stronger than the what if. And I jumped up, threw on my outfit, and ran out the door. I didn't count down to five, but that's kind of what it felt like. I made an instant decision and I just did it. And guess what? I got through the class, the whole thing. And I did almost all of the poses, at least to my ability, which to be fair is pretty puny in some cases. But the point is, I showed up and I gave my best effort, which when it comes down to it, That's all we can ask of ourselves. It's not about being perfect. It's not about impressing anyone else. It's about doing the thing that matters to us and showing up. It's about not letting fear of the unknown, whether that's a blank page or a stage or a class, get in our heads. We have to show up for a creative life. It doesn't just happen. If you want to paint, grab your paintbrush. If you want to write, grab your pen. If you want to write music, grab your guitar. Life is going to get in the way. It just will. We'll have insecurities and we'll be tempted to fill in the blanks in all the worst ways. We'll wonder if we're good enough, if there's room for us, if we even deserve to be there in the first place. Well, here's a tip. You do. You do deserve to be there. The hard part is showing up. If you have to count backwards in order to do that hard thing, then by all means, start counting. That's it for this week. Join me right back here next Thursday. Until then, you know you've got this.